All glory is to the assembled devotees. All glory is to the assembled devotees. All glory is to the assembled devotees. All glory is to Sri Guru and Goranga. All glory is to Srila Prabhupada. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pachone Nivasesis and Nivadi Paskajade Satarane Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru and Vaishnavamscha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Vitamstam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Padijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Deva Sri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Sri Vishakam Vitamscha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya May 21st, 2016, New Vrindavan, West Virginia. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 5, Chapter 18, The Residents of Jambudweep Offer Prayers, Text 8. Uh, this is not poetry, so it's a little uh, difficult. Om Namo Bhagavate Narasimaya Namas Tejas Tejase Avir Avir Bhava Vajra Nakra Vajra Damstra Karma Sayan Randa Randaya Tamo Grasta Grasta Om Swaha Abayam Abayam Atmani Buyishta Om Shram. Anybody like to try? It's a very nice prayer. It's worth it. It's worth it to try. Some ideas about what this means. Anybody recognize any of the words? Narasimaya is to Lord Nisingadev. Any, any other words people recognize? Someone who doesn't have a book in front of them. Dhamstra means? Teeth. teeth. Good. Karma. Karma means? Action or work. Abayam. Abayam, well, yeah. Free from fear. Atmani. Atmani. Which would mean what? I'm myself. Myself, something about myself. Naka, Naka means nails, very good. <coughs> Anything else? Tejas? Light or power? Raja? It's actually Vajra, it's not. It's Vajra, not Vraja. Vraja means pastors, pasturing grounds. So they spelled it long. This, whoever wrote this was really in the mood of Vrindavan. And they were so absorbed in Vrindavan they couldn't get into the Nisinga mood. It's Vajra. <laughs> when anyone know what Vajra means? A diamond or a, a lightning bolt? Yes. Okay, very good. Om. O Lord, Namaha, my respectful obeisances, Bhagavate, unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Narasimhaya, known as Lord Nasinga, Namaha, obeisances, Teja Tejase, the power of all power. Avir Avir Baba, please be fully manifest. Vajra Naka, O you who possess nails like thunderbolts. Vajra Dumstra, O you who possess what? Teeth like thunderbolts. Karma Asayan. 
demoniac desires to be happy in material activities. Randaya, Randaya, kindly vanquish. Tamaha, ignorance in the material world. Grasa, kindly drive away. Grasa, kindly drive away. Om, Om my Lord. Swaha, respectful oblations. Abayam, fearlessness. Abayam, fearlessness. Atmani, in my mind. Buyishta, may you appear. Om, O Lord. Shram, the bija or seed of mantras. Offering prayers to Lord Nasinga. Translation and purport by Shri Prabhupada. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Lord Nasingadev, the source of all power. O my Lord, who possesses nails and teeth just like thunderbolts, kindly vanquish our demon like desires for fruitive activity in this material world. Please appear in our hearts and drive away our ignorance so that by your mercy we may become fearless in the struggle for existence in this material world. Purport. In the Srimad Bhagavatam 4.22.39, Sanat Kumara speaks the following words to Maharaj Prithu, Yad pada pankaja palasa vilasa bhaktya karma shayam vrakitam ukrastayanti santaha tadvanna riktamatayo yatayo pi rudra Strokanastam aranam bhajavasudevam. It's the same word, karmashayam. That's why Prabhupada's quoting this verse. Devotees always engage in the service of the toes of the Lord's lotus feet. The service of the toes of the Lord's lotus feet. Can very easily become free from hard knotted desires for fruit of activities. Because this is very difficult, the non-devotees, the jnanis and yogis, cannot stop the waves of sense gratification, although they try to do so. Therefore, you are advised to engage in the devotional service of Krishna, the son of Vasudeva. Every living being within this material world has a strong desire to enjoy matter to his fullest satisfaction. For this purpose, the conditioned soul must accept one body after another. And thus, a strongly fixed fruit of desires continue. One cannot stop the repetition of birth and death without being completely desireless. Does that sound pretty daunting? <laughs> Therefore, Srila Rupa Goswami describes pure bhakti devotional service as follows. We can all say this together. Anya bila sita sunyam jnana karma anavritam anukulena krishnanushivanam bhakti rutma. One should render transcendental loving service to the Supreme Lord Krishna favorably and without desire for material profit or gain through fruit of activities or philosophical speculation. That is called pure devotional service. Unless one is completely free of all material desires, which are caused by the dense darkness of ignorance, one cannot fully engage in the devotional service of the Lord. So before you can engage fully in the devotional service of the Lord, you have to be free from all material desires. Therefore, we should always offer our prayers to Lord Vasinghe, who killed Hiranyakashipu, the personification of material desire. Hiranya means gold, and Kashipu means a soft cushion or bed. Materialistic persons always desire to make the body comfortable, and for this they require huge amounts of gold. Thus, Hiranyakashipu was the perfect representative of material life. He was therefore the cause of great disturbance to the topmost devotee, Prahlad Maharaj, until Lord Singhadev killed him. Any devotee aspiring to be free of material desires should offer his respectful prayers to Singhadev as Prahlad Maharaj did in this verse. Om Namo Bhagavate Narasnimaya Namaste Jaste Jase Avir Avir Baba Vajra Naka Vajra Damstar Kama Shayan Randaya Randaya Tamo Grasta Grasta Om Swaha Abayam, Abayam, Atmani, Bhuyishtam, Omksham. I offer my respectful obeisances unto Lord Nisingadev, the source of all power. Tejas, Tejas. O my Lord, who possesses nails and just like 
thunderbolts kindly vanquish our demon-like desires for fruit of activity in this material world. Please appear in our hearts and drive away our ignorance so that by your mercy we may become fearless in the struggle for existence in this material world. Drive away our fear and our ignorance. Hmm. Why this benediction? We could ask for so many things. What are you going to ask the Lord for? Thought about it. Just like people at Christmas, they have their list for Santa Claus. Santa Claus has replaced God in the, <laughs> in the modern West. So they have their list. Right? I once went to a, a mall around Christmas time, and they had this a statue of Santa Claus, and he was holding this long, long, long list, like a tape, you know, from an Addy, one of those old Addy machines, like a receipt paper scrolling onto the floor of everybody's list. So generally we come to the Lord, what kind of things do we ask for? You know, fix my body, (laughs) fix my finances, fix my family, fix my job, or fix the body and finances and family and job of other people. (laughs) Somehow adjust everything in this world, or sometimes people pray, just finish everything in this world. Right? Those are the two main prayers, bhukti and mukti. Give me everything in this world, or take away everything in this world. And here, Prahlad Maharaj is asking, free me from ignorance and fear. If I'm freed from ignorance and fear, then I'll be free from this cycle of birth and death. I'll be free from this karma and its reaction that makes me take birth again in this world. So, why this benediction? I mean, I don't think most of us think about ignorance and fear as being our big problems. We don't usually wake up in the morning and say, oh, God, get rid of this ignorance and fear. Right? We usually wake up and think, ah, oh, I need a new pair of shoes, or I need a husband, or something like that. Right? That's generally what somebody wakes up in the morning and thinks about. I need a new job, right? Or I'm having some problem with this other person in my life. I don't know what I'm going to do about it. I've got to settle this problem. But ignorance and fear. If we could get rid of ignorance and fear, my dear friends, we would solve all of our problems. By the way, what's the opposite of ignorance and fear? This is very negative, ignorance and fear. What's the positive? What's the opposite of ignorance? Knowledge. Knowledge. Truth. The opposite of ignorance is truth. And the opposite of fear? Fearless. Fearless, okay. Courage. Courage is definitely the opposite of fear. And what else is the opposite of fear? Love? Oh, very nice. What else? Hmm? Faith. Excellent. Faith. What else is the opposite of fear? Strength. Strength. Oh, I like this. What else is the opposite of fear? Confidence. Confidence. Anything else? Joy. Joy. What else? Peace. So think of all, if you got rid of ignorance, you'd have knowledge and truth. If you got rid of fear, we'd have fearlessness. What, how many things do we say? Fearlessness, faith, courage, strength, peace, joy. Did I miss anything? Confidence. Confidence. Does that sound nice? Everybody like those things? Okay. So we're going to look at four different things and how they're affected by getting rid of ignorance and fear. Good qualities, right decisions, fruit of work, and living in the now and love of God. So let's think about good qualities. So would we all like to have good qualities? Who here would like to have good qualities? Some of you, not sure. Some of you really want to have bad qualities. Actually, it's interesting in, in our... In, uh, he says, give up dharma and adharma. Don't be attached to your good qualities. Don't be attached to your bad qualities. But the soul naturally has good qualities. And most of us, when we think of ourselves, we think of how we would like to be. Yes? Do you think like that? I have my like idealized Ramila. She's all the way up there somewhere. You know, that I'm aspiring for. Right? Like Shri Kirti, we were telling us how you spoke on this verse where Prabhupada said Prahlad was the typical devotee. And you read that and you think, typical devotee, wow. So we have this, this wow, 
this is the, the devotee I want to be. This is the person I want to be. I want to be kind. I want to be caring. I want to be compassionate. I want to be courageous. I want to be determined. Right? Don't we have things we would like to be? Everybody has some good qualities they would like to be. Do we fail? Yes. Yeah. How often do we fail? A lot. A lot. Okay, so why do we fail? This is a very interesting question. Why do we fail? Fear. We fail because of fear. Let's think about, say, the example of honesty. So I'm assuming everyone here is honest, right? You don't have any thieves here? I hope. But could any of us say we're completely, absolutely honest? I mean, obviously, there's sometimes when it's a higher principle to be dishonest. You know, if you're, if you're hiding people in your basement and the Nazis come and say, where are you hiding the people? You don't say, oh, I'm hiding them in my basement. So sometimes it's a higher moral principle to be dishonest. But aside from that, are we completely honest? So let's think about the last time we were dishonest. Why? What caused us to switch from honesty to dishonesty? Fear. What were we afraid of? We were afraid that if I tell the truth... I'll lose something, or I won't gain something. There's something that I want, and if I'm honest, there's a good chance I won't get it. Or there's something that I have, and if I'm honest, there's a good chance that I'll lose it. Maybe I'll just be embarrassed. I mean, this this recently happened to me. Somebody did something that I didn't want them to do, and when they were challenged by someone else, they said, oh, Amila said I could do it. And I was sitting right there and I said, no, I didn't. So why were they saying that? Because they didn't want to be embarrassed. You understand? That's a fear. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose some sort of reputation. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose some money. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose friends. It's fear. Now, when you're in the mode of ignorance, you're full of fear. So people in the mode of ignorance are not very honest. And the higher up you go through the modes, the less fear that you have. Does this make sense to everybody? So someone in the mode of passion, they're willing to go out and fight in a battle, even though they might get injured, because they're fighting for a higher cause, or maybe they're just fighting for their reputation. But they have less fear. And someone in the mode of goodness, they have even less fear. They're able to forgive their enemies and be peaceful about it. So you can think of of fear like this. It keeps going up. So the less fear that you have, the more courage that you have, the higher your line, the more things that have to happen because you become afraid, before you become afraid, the more you display good qualities. Does this make sense to everybody? So if I, have a, if I have a lot of courage and a little bit of fear, then I'm going to display good qualities most of the time. But as soon as something triggers that line of fear, then I'm not going to display good qualities anymore. And this is why in the Bhagavatam it says that unless one is completely pure, they don't really have good qualities. Why? Because what they ultimately have is just simply self-preservation. The only quality a person has who has any fear at all is self-preservation. It's only when there's no fear that you have good qualities in all circumstances, which means that you actually have good qualities. If I have some fear, it means I'm displaying good qualities only when I think I won't be harmed by them. And as soon as I think I'm going to be harmed by my good qualities, I switch to bad qualities. And the place at which I switch depends on how high I am in the modes or how developed I am in bhakti. What causes fear? Ignorance. Therefore, Prahlad is praying to be have his ignorance and his fear removed. What am I ignorant of? I'm ignorant of who I am. I can't be harmed. I don't die. I don't take birth. I can't be harmed by anything. I can't be harmed by people... You know, blaspheming me. I can't be harmed by people stealing all my money. I can't be harmed by people cutting my body up into little pieces. I can't be harmed by any of that because I am the soul. Bhaktivedanta Swami tells a story how when he was in Russia and under the Soviet uh, government, and he was just starting to take up Krishna consciousness, just at the very beginning, 
So he was kind of a big man in Russia. He was uh, in, in the doctoral program for biochemistry. And the KGB called him, we want to see you. So he was very scared. What are they going to do? Are they going to put me in a Siberian labor camp? You know, are they going to put me in a psychiatric unit and, and shoot me out with all these drugs to make me go crazy? And so he was talking to the devotees there and saying, you know, I've been called to meet with the KGB. And then he said, one of the devotees there was a woman who was very short and very small, very, very petite. Although she was a woman, she looked like she was about 12. And she said to him, there's nothing to be afraid of. You're not that body. You're the soul. They can't hurt you. And he thought, if this tiny little woman can be so fearless, what's my problem? And he immediately felt filled with courage. So when our ignorance is removed, when we understand, I am a soul, I can't be harmed. Nothing anybody can do, ever, can harm me. Then when that ignorance is removed, then we have full courage and faith and joy and peace in all circumstances. Now, not only the ignorance about ourself, but the ignorance about God. That Krishna is our is Bhaktiram Yagatapa Sam Sarvalok Maheshram Suvidam Sarvabhutanam Gyatvamam Shantim Richiti. Shantim, peace is the opposite of fear. When you know that the person who's in charge of everything, the controller of everything, is your best friend, what is there to fear? What is there to fear? That means that any so-called bad things that happen to you are being allowed by him for our benefit because he's our good friend. Just like the child, they have faith that if the parents say, go to the doctor and take this medicine, even though the medicine is very bitter, they have faith that this is for my benefit. Think of how much faith people have in doctors. I find it actually astonishing how much faith people have in doctors. The doctors say, you know, we're going to put this poison in your veins. It's going to make all your hair fall out. It's going to make you vomit. But it will cure your disease. And people do it. Because they feel the doctor knows what he or she is talking about. And they are my benefactor. If we can have that much faith in our parents or in doctors, why can't we have that much faith in God? So when our ignorance is removed and we see ourself and the Lord for who they are, then we become fearless. And when we become fearless, then we manifest fully all of our natural good qualities. Trying to develop good qualities without also developing fearlessness will fail, as we have all discovered so many times. All right, let's look at the right decisions in life. So would everybody like to make good decisions? Yeah? It's hard to make good decisions because when we're trying to make a good decision, we have to figure out, okay, what's going to be the result of this decision? And we have at least two big problems. First of all, we can never really be sure what decision will result in what result. We just don't know. If I go to school, will I get a degree or not? If I marry this person, will I be happy or not? And we're also not sure if even if we get that result, if we'll be satisfied with it. Do you see those two problems? If I do this thing, will it result in what I want to have happen? And if that thing happens, will I like it? So I tell this story a lot, that one of my professors in graduate school when he was 19 was in a seminar where the seminar leader said, I can give you a step-by-step process by which you can come a school su- become a school superintendent at the age of 33, which is very rare. Most people don't become school superintendents, so they're like 45 or 50. School superintendent means you're in charge of many different schools. So he followed that rigidly, and he became a school superintendent when he was 33. And then he found that he hated it. It was a very high-stress job, always under the microscope. His wife was so stressed that she left him. And he realized, I don't want to be a school superintendent. I want to be a college professor. And he changed his occupation. And sometimes we think, if I do this and this and this, I'll become rich, and we do this and this and this, and we don't become rich. If I do this, I'll become rich. Well, we may not become rich, or we may become rich and find out we don't like being rich. 
So how are we going to make good decisions? What's preventing us from making good decisions is our ignorance. I'm ignorance of what effect will come from the cause. What's the relationship between cause and effect? And I'm ignorant of what effects will bring me what I want. So if our ignorance is removed, then we wouldn't be in anxiety about our decisions, would we? And we get in so much anxiety about decisions. Should I buy this car or that car? You know, I was just at a person's house where the washing machine broke. I said, I think you really need to buy a new washing machine. She said, well, it's got to wait till after Nisinga to Georgia I said, oh, why can't you do it now? Oh, we have to do all the research. We have to check out all the websites and go to all the different stores and, you know, read all the reviews. I can't just buy something. And we have all this anxiety. Should I buy this washing machine or that washing machine? This job or that job? Marry this person or that person or not get married at all? Should I have children or not? And how many? And when? Should I live here? Should I live there? You know, I had a devotee said to me, I just got a big inheritance. I don't know what to spend it on. And last time I got an inheritance, I, I never spent it on anything. I just kept it in the bank. I ended up losing all of it. And so much anxiety because we're covered by ignorance. So very interesting where Krishna says in the, in the Bhagavad Gita, those in the mode of ignorance, they always make the wrong decision. They consistently make the wrong decisions. Even if their decisions, decisions result in what they think it will result in, those results do not give them happiness. Then he says those in the mode of passion, sometimes they make the right decision, sometimes they make the wrong decision. And he says, those in the mode of goodness, they always make the right decision. They know what is liberating and what is binding, what is to be done and what is not to be done. Why? Because this veil of ignorance is lifted. They can see things in the right perspective. What to speak of those who are in bhakti? Those who are in bhakti, they're in touch with the absolute truth. They see things as they are. You can say, well, it seems that sometimes even pure devotees make decisions that don't turn out very well. But we would say that even if they don't appear to turn out very well, they always bring the perfect result. Remember we were saying even if you make all that money, you become the school superintendent, you might not like it? So the decisions the devotees make, just like Vidura, Vidura's wife, as she, she gave Krishna banana peels. And you could say, well, that wasn't a very good decision. But the result was wonderful. We're still glorifying it so many thousands of years later. Do you all understand? The decisions that those, make, those people make when they're in bhakti brings joy to themselves and the world, even if on the external platform it doesn't seem to be very wonderful. All right, what about fruit of work? Prahlad Maharaj here says, get rid of my karmasayan. And Srila Prabhupada quotes 422.39 also to get rid of this karmasayan. This fruit of work, working for a fruit, karma pala. This is, of course, very related to making right decisions. But it's the whole concept that the reason that I'm acting in the world is to enjoy a fruit, to enjoy a certain result. That mentality in and of itself brings anxiety. Why? So we want a particular fruit. We want to make money, we want to have a nice marriage, we want to graduate from school, we want to get a raise, we want to get a new job, whatever. We have a certain fruit that we want. So we work to get that fruit. I, I sacrifice, I sacrifice, I work, I work, I work, right? I plant the seed, I water the seed, I weed the seed, I water it, I fertilize it, and the tree grows and the tree produces a fruit and I eat the fruit. Work, 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 fruit. Work, 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 fruit. Work, 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 fruit. Correct? Isn't that how it, it goes? Yes? So what are you feeling when you're working to get the fruit? This, what kind of distress? Anxiety. What are you in anxiety about? Am I really going to get the fruit? And when I get it, will I... Enjoy it. Well, I like it. Who knows? Maybe you'll work hard and someone else will steal the fruit. Happens all the time. 
Should I tell you a funny story? It's so embarrassing. So I was, it was a, a codice. I was in Puerto Rico, and I was doing a, a, a full fast. I was doing no fruit, no, no food, no water, no sleep. So I knew that when I was, when, was wanted to break my fast, I wanted to have something really light to eat. I wanted to just have some fruit to eat. And I noticed at lunch they were just serving some fruit at nuts. I thought, oh, great, this will be the great thing to have to break my fast. So I got a plate, and I filled it up with fruit and nuts. I put another plate over it. I wrapped it all up. I put a big sign on it. Ormulas, hands off. <laughs> and I put it in the main refrigerator. You can guess the end of the story. We went to a, a preaching program that night. We got back like about 11 o'clock. And when, I, when we got back, I checked in the refrigerator. It's still there. Right? Oh, great, you know. So I went and I was just chanting all night. And then in the morning, it got to be time for breakfast. You know, I was looking at my watch. It's time to break my fast. And I'd go in the refrigerator and it's gone. <laughs> and I was so disturbed that I actually asked a lot of them, who took my plate, you know? And finally, I discovered that some other devotees who had been at the same program with me, they had come back, and one of them said, I'm really hungry. Well, let's see what's in the refrigerator. Oh, here's a plate. It says for Ormila, hands off. Well, if she hasn't eaten it by 11.30 at night, she probably doesn't want it, they said. <laughs> so they, they took my plate. So I worked so hard, that was literally for some literal fruit, and someone else took my fruit. <laughs> you know, the worms can eat it or whatever. And then you get your fruit. That was a lesson from Krishna. Don't think about food while you're fasting. So then you get your fruit and you enjoy it for a moment and then afterwards, again, immediately in anxiety. So your life is almost entirely anxiety with little moments, maybe, 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 where you get to eat your fruit. Maybe. If someone else hasn't taken it and if it's not rotten. Sometimes you say something, go to eat it, and ugh. Have you ever done that? I'll eat this later. And you eat it. I don't even like it. So simply anxiety. Simply anxiety. Filled with fear. Will I get it? Will somebody else get it? Will I not like it? How long will I get to keep it? And then immediately working for another food. So if one's ignorance is removed then one understands that the real fruit that I want to taste is with me always. It's not something I have to work for. It's not something I have to achieve. I already have it. As nicely explained in Bhakti Vasamrita Sindhu, there really isn't any practice to attain bhakti in a sense because it's already there within the heart of every living entity. My relationship with Krishna is already there. I'm already there. All I have to do is connect now, and now, and now, and now. All I have to do is try to please Krishna now. That's all I have to do. And if I do that, I'm filled with joy, as Prabhupada says at the end of the Bhagavad Gita, at every moment, as Sanjaya said, when we remember the conversation between Krishna and Arjuna, then we are thrilled at every moment. And Prabhupada, Krishna consciousness is not just periodic joy, but a thrill at every moment. When one gives up wanting to enjoy the fruits of one's work, you have a right to perform your prescribed duties, but you are not entitled to the fruits of action. Never consider yourself to be the cause of the results of your activities and never be attached to not doing your duty. Kartahamiti manite. This woman's thinking, I am the doer. Ahankara vimudhatma kartahamiti manite. I can't control whether or not I get the fruit and whether or not I like the fruit. Can I control that? I can't control it, so I'm full of anxiety. But I can control whether or not I'm doing my best to please Krishna in this moment. That I can control. To be absorbed in pleasing Krishna at every moment. And then, karma palatyaga, what do you get? Shantim, Krishna says, in the 12th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita. When you give up trying for the fruits of your actions, you get peace. So when this ignorance is removed and I see that I already have everything that I need, I don't need to work for an outside fruit. I don't need to pretend that I'm the controller and the enjoyer. I already have all the fruits I want. I already have Kalpaviksha Lakshapratesu in my heart. If Krishna's there, his desire trees must also be there. Correct? Krishna's not just in the heart, just kind of floating there. And he left his desire trees at home. When Krishna's there, he's there with all of Vrindavan. The Chintamani does, the desire trees are also there. 
So when I know Ridesha Junatistiti, Krishna is in my heart, I already have a connection with him. I connect with him now. How am I trying to please Krishna this moment? How am I trying to please Krishna this moment? And I give up all attachment for enjoying the fruits. Then I get peace. What about love of God? Beyond having good qualities, making right decisions, and being happy at every moment, full of joy with every moment. Can one attain love of God with ignorance and fear? No. no. If I have ignorance, I won't even be aware of God. I'll say, like Hiranyakashipu, I don't see him. How amazing that Hiranyakashipu got all these boons for immortality. What were his boons? Anybody remember? Yes? Yes? Inside or outside? Someone, another one. Yes? He can't, he can't die in day or night. Day or night, good. He can't die by a man or an animal. An, a man or an animal, somebody else. He can't die in the sky, sea, or ground. Sky, sea, or ground. What were some more boons? No weapon. No weapon. Not inside or out. He can't die by a living thing. No living or a dead thing. Can't be either living or dead. Not, not a man or a beast. He also said, I want rule over everyone and no rivals and all mystic powers. And he got them. Lord Brahma said, you have them. And there's this little boy who hasn't done any austerity. Right? And how did he try to kill Prahlad? Anybody remember how he tried to kill Prahlad? Threw him off a cliff. Yes? Yes? Poisoned him. Yes? He put him under the feet of elephants. What else? Boiled him in oil. Yes. Wind. What else? Snakes. Any of the guys know anything? The kids and the ladies are defeating you. This side, this side room is where they're going to get the maha plate at the end of the class. Huge rocks. And he saw that his son couldn't even be harmed. Not only was he not killed, he wasn't even bruised. You get thrown off a cliff and throw big rocks on you and poisonous snakes and it's not even a bruise. And Prahlad hadn't done any austerities and he was just five. He was just a little kid. Right? How old are you? Eleven. Eleven. How old are you? Ten. Ten. Five. Just a little kid. And Yuranyakashipu still couldn't figure out there must be a god. He couldn't, you know, his logical abilities were not very well developed. So he says, where's your God? Ignorance. He was in ignorance. How can you love God if, you are, if you're ignorant of God? If you don't see him anywhere. The people who look at the world, even big scientists who look at the world and don't see God. Well, I don't see him. Okay, well, I don't see the artist who painted that painting, but I know there must be one. So I sort of see him, don't I? I may not see him right in front of me. I may not see the push cars right standing there. But I know he painted that painting. I know somebody painted it. What kind of ignorance does it take not to understand God? Or not to understand that we're not this body. How can we think that we're this body? Is that our identity? I mean, think about what the body is. Even the parts of the body that we're really proud of, you know, our eyes. If you just had some eyes sitting there, would it be very attractive? (laughs) Or our hair, you know, especially the women. There's some hair. You know, like in the ladies' bathroom, there's some hair on the floor. And everybody goes, ew. Is that our identity? You know, it's one of the hellish punishments. You have to swim in a river of hair and skin and blood. And it's a, it, and, but we're all doing that right now, by the way, in this body. So we're, is that what we want to be? Do we want to be this body? Do we want to be this mind? Anybody have a really nice mind? Would you like to put your mind on display? Just a little intelligence we can understand. I don't want to be that. And I've had a sense of identity through all the changes of my body and mind. 
So if we're going to love God, we have to have this, this ignorance removed. We have to be able to see the truth. We have to also be able to see the truth of our rebelliousness. We have to see the truth of our pride and our foolishness. And when we see this truth and we get peace, then we naturally give up our desires to be happy in this world. Please don't think that this prayer of Prahlad Maharaj means that, okay, oh my God, whew, if I say this prayer, I have to give my whole bank account to Nubrindavan. Give away, you know, put all my clothes in the donation box down by the lodge. Just get, you know, one piece of cloth. Live outside in a tent. I mean, you might do that. That's not what it means. It means that if we give up our ignorance and fear, we naturally stop trying to enjoy in a way that's impossible for us to enjoy. We start enjoying in the way that we are meant to enjoy. We enjoy through Krishna. We enjoy by pleasing Krishna. We enjoy through love. And we enjoy through service. Rather than trying to enjoy through this bodily senses and mind by trying to just touch our senses with their sense objects and touch our mind with its objects and try to work hard as the master of fruits in this world. All of which simply bring us anxiety. And as Krishna says early in the Bhagavad Gita, without peace, there cannot be any happiness. It's like sweet rice mixed with sand. If you have some pleasure, but you're also in anxiety, you cannot enjoy that pleasure. Isn't that a fact? If you have a lot of money, but you're afraid that someone's going to steal it, you ever been in some bad area, some dangerous area, and you have some cash on you or some credit cards? Are you getting pleasure out of your money or just fear? There's fear, isn't it? As soon as there's fear, there cannot be any happiness, even materially. Therefore, the best prayer that we can make is give me truth and courage. Let me see things as they are. Give me the courage to see things as they are. Give me the courage when I see things as they are to believe it. And give me the courage when I see things as they are and believe it to act on the truth. The courage to see the truth, the courage to believe the truth, and the courage to live in the truth. And if we do that, we'll be happy even in this world. There was a signboard on the way here. When you die, you'll see God. I said, I don't want to wait till I die. You know, it was one of those scary signs. When you die, you will see God. Be afraid. And we're saying, no. See God and don't be afraid. Pray to God to give up your fear. Pray to, pray to God to be at peace and to see him now. So this should be our prayer. My ignorance is very thick. It's very sticky. It's stuck onto me. Like a, somebody that burns something in a pot. You've ever really burned pot? Anybody who's ever really burned something in a pot? That's how my ignorance is stuck to me. You know, you have to get out a scraper. <laughs> So what's our scraper? Rajanaka, Rajadamstra. What does that mean again? Nails and teeth like, Nails and teeth like? thunderbolts. It's Vajra, not Vraja, folks. Whoever wrote that on the board. It's not Vraja. Vraja means pasturing grounds. Rajya Singadev does not have nails and teeth like a pasturing ground. His nails and teeth like diamonds. Vajra also means diamonds. Oh, but really, that sounds scary. No, it's not scary. Cats have sharp teeth and sharp nails, but are they scary to their kittens? No, they're only scary to the rats. Don't be a rat. Then it's not scary. Lord is thinking it's only scary if you're a Hiranyakashipu. But I am a Hiranyakashipu. But even Hiranyakashipu is ultimately a 
So we should be so entranced with our beautiful soul that's underneath all that crud. Yes, yes, take your diamond-like nails and teeth and take away my ignorance and fear. Take away my ignorance and fear. Give me truth and courage. Give me truth and courage. Om Namo Bhagavate Narasi Maya Namaste Jaste Jase Avira Vibhava Vajra Naka Vajra Damsta Karma Shayan Vandaya Vandaya Tamo Gasta Gasta Om Swaha Abayam Abayam Atmani Bhuyishta Om Kshom Comments, questions, additions, subtractions, chastisements. Yes, One of the main ways our ignorance and our fear is removed is by hearing the Shastra and by learning the Shastra. However, if you learn and hear the Shastra without a desire to remove your fear and ignorance, it will not work. So if your motive for hearing the Shastra is so you can use Shastric passages to hit other devotees over the head who don't agree with you, if your purpose in hearing and studying the Shastra is to convince yourself that you're already perfectly well situated and you're already a wonderful person, then it will not help. So therefore we have a, we have a few copies left of, of Manashikta Vraganathas Goswami, therefore he says, Saradam Banitva, one has to give up pride. We have to be willing to see the truth, and we need the courage to see the truth. So if we are hearing from the pure devotees and hearing the Shastra with a desire for truth and courage, to know the truth, to believe the truth, and to act on the truth, then our hearing will have a very fast and dramatic effect. In fact, everything we do in bhakti will, our chanting, our hearing, our worship of the deity, our serving a holy place like here in Vrindavan, our surrendering to Krishna, everything, our meditation, it will work very, 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 very quickly when we want to know the truth and we want courage to know and believe and act on the truth. Otherwise, you can hear and hear and hear. Prabhupada says in the first canto, it's not by the mechanical process of hearing and chanting, but only by the mercy of the Lord. However, if we're not hearing, <laughs> then we're not really very sincere to know the truth, are we? Yes, I want to know the truth. Oh, will you study the Shastra that's full of truth? No, no, I don't have time. So we demonstrate our sincerity in our hearing and we also have to hear with the right attitude. But yes, we should be hearing regularly. Nityam Bhagavata Siddhi. At least Vishnu Chakravati Thakur says daily, if not all the time. And everyone can say, well, I'm so busy. In those early days of ISKCON, we all lived in the ashram and you had to go to Bhagavatam class and you wouldn't get any prasadam. Yes? I remember here at New Vrindavan, if you didn't go to Mangalartik, you didn't get any maha, right? You had to put your plates out before Mangalartik. Those of you who were here then. Otherwise, all you got was oat water. Remember that? Ginger oat water. Hard. But nowadays, we may say, well, I don't live in the ashram. I don't have to put my plate upstairs before Mangalartik. How will I hear? Well, if you have a smartphone, it's pretty easy. Just get one of those reading apps and you can put all of Prabhupada's books on your smartphone. Get one of those audiobooks apps and you can put all of the audiobooks on your smartphone. And then it's not difficult. You can read one screen before breakfast and one screen before lunch. You can just tell your coworkers, oh, excuse me, I have a very important text to answer. And you can be reading the Bhagavatam. And you can play the audiobooks in your car when you're driving when you're cooking or when you're ironing or when you're cleaning your house and you can be absorbed in hearing. Thank you. Somebody else? Yes, Prabhu. 
Ah. Why were the words repeated? We find in Sanskrit, also in Hindi and Bengali, the Sanskrit-derived languages, that they often repeat words. So if we want to emphasize things in English, we do things... Well, how, how do we emphasize things in English? We shout. We make it louder. Okay, so we have... In, English is a language where there's emphasis on certain words and the meaning is changed a lot according to emphasis. Not all languages are like that. And we show that in written English with bold or with italics. Okay? And we can change the whole meaning. Oh yeah, I really like you. <laughs> and the whole meaning changes. Uh, where we emphasize, we, we put the inflection like that. How else do we show emphasis in English? Hmm? Exclamation points. How else? Underlining, italics, bold. We don't so much repeat now. We'll use things like very and too and much. We use adverbs that show excessive, really. And the way they do it in Hindi, Bengali, Sanskrit is to repeat. Cut, cut. Short, short. Fear, fear. Courage, courage. Give me courage, courage. Make it small, small. Of course, what's really funny is in South Africa, when they do that, they mean the opposite. So I asked one devotee, so when are you coming to the program? Oh, I'm coming now, now. I thought that must mean very fast. And they said, no, that means very slow. <laughs> oh, now, now. Anything else? So are we all ready to do this? Everybody ready? So we're gonna we, this we'll have it, we'll see. At the end of this class, maybe we can go, maybe we can just right now, let's look at Lord Nasinga Day. Can everybody look at Lord Nasinga Day? We don't have to move, just kind of look at Lord Nasinga Day. And ask him, please, with your thunderbolt nails and your thunderbolt teeth, please destroy my ignorance and fear. Please give me truth, courage, peace and joy and confidence. Miracles will happen in our life if we pray like that. Absolute miracles. Srila Prabhupada, ki jai. Lord, sing a day, ki jai. Shri Bhagavatam, ki jai.